0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. It's called the Book of Worship. And for the uninitiated, it's a collection of prayers, litanies, and other liturgical resources for use in the worship life of congregations within the United Church of Christ, of which this pastor and the congregation I serve are a part. From orders for weekly services of word and sacrament throughout the church year, to the many other celebrations common to our shared ministry baptisms, confirmations, weddings, funerals, and so on the Book of Worship. Is for clergy and laity alike the go to volume for worship materials that are both biblically and theologically sound, as well as being very rich in the history, tradition, and diversity of our denomination. Now, you should know that as clergy and congregations, we're not required to use the Book of Worship in our services. We're far too independent and far too autonomous in the UCC for such a thing as that. It is nonetheless one important resource that serves to truly unite us as the church, as the book itself says, linking the tapestry of the past and weaving the fabric of the future. As I'm fond of explaining to those who ask, if you come to our church in New Hampshire this Sunday when we're celebrating the sacrament of baptism, and then next Sunday go to a UCC church in California where there's also a baptism, odds are you'll hear pretty much the same service. And in fact, there's great power in that. Indeed, as the Book of Worship also puts it, it is a means of praise and thanksgiving of the living God by all of God's people in this time. I've had my copy of the Book of Worship, that is my first copy, but I'll get to that, since shortly after it was published in 1986. And by any measure you care to use, it, it's a book that has seen better days one thing, somewhere along the way, the book binding completely broke. Actually, as I recall, the book actually dropped out of said binding and onto the floor, making a bang during a Monday Thursday service. Also, the embossed printing on the cover has long since worn away, and a great many of the pages within are dog-eared, torn, and covered with circles, arrows, and barely legible notes written to myself in preparation for literally hundreds of spiritual gatherings over the course of three-plus decades. No matter. For many years, that book was, for me, a true tool of the trade, and, and even now, though I don't always use it, and over time have even come to know some of its liturgy by heart, there's rarely a Sunday then when you won't find me without the Book of Worship somewhere close at hand. That is, you usually won't. one sunday morning a few years back i had the joy and privilege of baptizing a bright-eyed little boy who's long been a part of our extended church family that morning the pews were filled with family members and friends all was made ready for this blessed sacrament to take place and our morning worship was about to begin just when i suddenly realized that my book of worship which of course contains the proper liturgy I needed to do my job as pastor and officiant at this celebration, had been left in my office. No problem. Except that when I got to my office, the book was nowhere to be found. And I do mean nowhere. After fairly well tearing apart my admittedly cluttered desk, as well as the surrounding environs, it was clear that it wasn't going to be found before the call to worship, which was now just five minutes away. Again, no problem, because sitting on my office bookshelf is a second, loose-leaf copy of the Book of Worship that I keep for just such an occasion. Except (laughs) that somewhere along the line, that book had been dropped, too. All the pages had come loose and had scattered, and in the process, most of the baptismal pages had either been misplaced, lost, or destroyed. Frantically sifting through what remained, I managed to find a random page with at least part of the baptismal vows. But now, as the organ prelude had begun, there was no more time to search for anything else. I had to face the fact that I'd be doing this baptism pretty much on my own. And the thing is, it went well, very well. Not perfectly, mind you, as I know I stumbled, and a lot. I'm sure that as I nervously worked to pull key points of the liturgy out of my addled memory, the language used was far less eloquent and graceful than what was written on the printed page. Likewise, I can assuredly let you know that my retelling of the story of Jesus welcoming the little children came nowhere close to the new Revised Standard Version of Scripture. But somehow, somehow by the grace of God and the movement of his Holy Spirit, it worked. It worked. There was laughter, some tears, and most importantly, a child was formally and joyfully welcomed into the loving embrace of our Lord and Savior, and into the care of a large and extended spiritual family. In the end, it was, in the truest and best sense of the word, sacramental. And it all happened without the book of worship. Well, at worship this past Sunday morning, once again, I had the wonderful opportunity to stand with a large and loving family celebrating the sacrament of Holy Baptism. Together with the whole congregation, we shared in that very familiar liturgy of faith and grace-filled welcome that not only rejoices in the gift of this baby girl come into the world, but also her loving embrace in the arms of God. And yes, I did have with me the Book of Worship, my third copy, by the way, since eventually I'd come to the conclusion that the time had come to retire book number one. We did find it, by the way. And now it still sits in all its ragged glory on my office bookshelf, just in case. I have to tell you, it was a great service. Though I must confess that it served to remind me yet again that what makes a a service of worship like this special goes way beyond what can ever be found in the pages of a book of worship. It happened in the small and intimate ways that we connected with one another as we shared this holy celebration, both eye to eye and heart to heart. It happened as we entered into a covenant to nurture this little girl as she grows in the ways of love and faith. And it happened especially in the multitude of ways that our Lord is present to each one of us as a living community of faith. Don't get me wrong here. Liturgy is important, and the word that we impart as pastors and worship leaders is equally of of importance, dare I say essential, as it's part of what brings us together as, as a worshiping congregation. But ultimately, you know what? It's what happens in and through all of that that makes it a sacrament, and surely God is present there. And that brings us to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.